hashtag Struggle Hard Podcast. I'm Arvin, along with my co-host Kat. Hi, everyone. Each week, we bring you the best discussions surrounding young professionals and what it takes to be successful in your own right in today's world. Subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. This week, we have my dear friend, Mr. Nick Bowden, director of The Lift Project. Nick, welcome. What's, what's up? Marvin, Kat, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. All the way from South Jersey? Central Jersey. There's a huge misconception. Oh, yeah, the, the big Central South Jersey uh, debate. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm far away from the mic. Monmouth County is technically... Central Jersey, not South. I'm sorry. I know up here up north is either north or south, but we're in the middle. Monmouth County is the shore. It's a shore school. It's South Jersey. It's the start of the shore. But it's not quite Cherry Hill. It's not. It's like that's like an hour and a half for me. That's like real South Jersey. Uh, that is. Cherry Hill is definitely South Jersey. So for all of our listeners that have no idea about the geography of New Jersey, that's okay. You now know the difference between North and South Jersey. Mm-hmm. So Nick, why don't you give us a quick 30-second intro to your very young life so far, and then we'll get right <laughs> into current events and what's been going on in the world. I feel old. Uh, my name is Nick. I'm the director of The Lift Project, a young adult ministry that I started with, my, with one of my friends back at home. Uh, I'm a school teacher. I'm an art teacher. Uh, I like to play sports. I like comic books. I'm a big Marvel geek. So all the movies out there, I've seen every single one. Uh, Infinity War comes out in April, right? Yes, Infinity War, I believe, is April. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a wonderful girlfriend. I have three sisters, awesome parents. And I'm just here to try my best to make an impact and to encourage people to have faith and then keep that moving in their life. That's beautiful. <laughs> that definitely is great. That's an amazing intro, and it seems like you're doing a lot for your community and to better the world. Speaking of that, today in just current events was National Walkout Day. Any thoughts on that? Kat, you want to go? It's your show, so I don't want to... No, go right <laughs> ahead. You're, you're our guest. You, um, you go first. I'm all for it. I actually had a conversation with my friends about it. Uh, my one friend that who shall remain nameless, um, he was stating that he felt like it was pointless for the kids to walk out that wasn't going to have any long-term effects. And I said I disagreed. I feel like if they keep going, if they are consistent, protest is rarely, rarely ever about the generation that's doing it. It's usually about the future. So if they keep going, it really isn't for them, but it's for their children and for their grandchildren. So that was my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, any time that you have a strong belief and you really stand behind it, especially for for people at such a young age yeah. to be able to organize and say, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to stand up for what we feel and believe, like, there's nothing bad to be said about that. Yeah. And I think hopefully this, along with everything else that's been going on will open up more of a discussion and we've talked about on past episodes that there's a lack of discussion there's more of this is my opinion that's your opinion and we're gonna fight it out instead of trying to figure out a solution or a compromise that is gonna be effective and actually work in a realistic sort of way so I think it's great and I think the more they are involved now, like the better chance we have in the future when they're our leaders and they're our backbone of our country. And yeah, I think I think it's great. I think I don't know many many kids that 
would have been able to really pull that off without turning it into a circus. So I think it's great. I would definitely agree. And I'm very excited to see the younger generations taking kind of a an active role in what's going on in society. The one thing I worry about is that they may not be educated enough or well-versed enough in the subjects that they're currently being involved in. And mm -hmm. I really hope that they are doing their research, they're doing their homework, and they're not just listening to people of influence in their lives or being stuck in circles and really just following the crowd. I really hope that everyone is forming their own opinions individually. I know this is going to be very, this is very optimistic on my part because mm -hmm. that's probably not what's going, what's not going on with 90% of them. Mm. But for that 10% out there, I, that have really come to the, whatever side that they land on and they've come to that conclusion and decision on their own through their own research and train of thought. Great. That's that's wonderful, yeah. and I think that's really taking a step forward and right. moving along in progress. I agree. Yeah. I think you make a, a really good point about that, but I do think that's, like, part of everybody's growing process is, like, your viewpoints are kind of formed by your family and the people you associate with and, like, who you're around and, like, the more wisdom you start to kind of bank and the more life experience, like your views may change, you might yeah. feel differently. And that's, you know, but I think the underlying message of standing up with your peers for something that you think is right, be it, you know, maybe at this time in your life, you see it one way and maybe later in life, you might see something differently or might have an experience that changes your opinion. But the the idea of them being like, no, this is what I think and I'm going to stand up for it and I'm going to stand behind my my opinion and I'm going to stand with like my peers and support them. I think that's really cool and I think that's something that shows a lot of promise for the future. Yeah. But to Nick's point, it has to remain relevant and it has to be carried on yeah. longer than today. Yeah, Correct. they can't just do it for today. And then not do it again. They have to like, keep doing it. Then it's not right. a movement. It's a fad. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. It's a trend. So. Which only time will tell, and to your point, you know, it may just be jumping on the bandwagon for a lot of kids, but I'm sure, you know, a lot of the kids that have either lost somebody or, you know, had an experience that affected them to feel this way, you know, those those people with like who really have the strong viewpoint, who really are the the wheel turners behind this, I think they'll continue. I think that's like any political party or statement or you know, we talked about protests and how half the people that protest don't even know what they're protesting, but like the people that organized it, the people that are orchestrating it, they're the ones who are gonna push, they're the ones who are actually going to their you know, their councilmen and stuff and trying to actually make change instead of just being like, I'm going to have five minutes of fame on the TV marching. So, well, Nick, you're really involved in the community and on social media too. Always see posts on Instagram for the lift project. Yeah. What do you think? I'm just curious. Cause I know I I've definitely suffered from it being in New York, being at the campus that I was on for a few years I, I really think I suffer from protest fatigue <laughs> of, of every day in the city. And there is a 
different protests going on for things that I just sometimes know nothing about. It's not even protests that I see in the news. It's just every day. And there could be 20,000 people marching. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know this was going on. Like, this is an issue? Yeah. All right, great. The protest for I don't like vanilla ice cream. And and social media really gives that a ton of power. But what do you think? Being in a school, Mm -hmm. what do you think about that? Do you think that's a true thing or am I just weird? No, I mean, we live in a world, we live in a country that fortunately you're allowed to protest about anything, right? We have a freedom to do that. So I guess that's a blessing in its own. However, with that, now anyone could protest about anything. I work in elementary school, so it's a little bit different. I don't have like eight-year-olds protesting. (laughs) But definitely with social media, it's good because it brings awareness to certain things that are very important. Uh, Like we can see right now, like the Me Too situation, like equality and all those good stuff. And then also there's a negative side where it's protests about things that aren't relevant. Or even people who might use those protests as a reason to justify doing certain things. Right, like they like they'll take an isolated situation and be like that's racism or like that's inequality when it's not that's just you right like you're just messing up so we do have those people but I feel like those people in those situations don't last very long like I feel like if it's genuine and it's real those things last forever but the ones that are like like Joe said the trendsetters the fads the things that are manipulating and using it those things like disappear and go away well it's very true and I can't remember and I was really trying to think of it before starting this episode of going back to when we were in high school if we had any protests or situations similar to this and not maybe my memory is just slipping in my old age but I, i really couldn't think of a specific one i feel like there were issues especially with the high school that we went to being as liberal as it was but also having that that other side although it was a small conservative percentage it was there and present and i know cat went to a private school as well so i think that's where you see a bit more of that freedom yeah. to have a voice in these opinions. Yeah. I just can't recall. Well, I think a huge thing is just social media. I think social media changes everything. We didn't have Facebook or Instagram in high school. Yeah, especially the way it is. Like, we didn't have podcasts. So, right, like, so, right, <laughs> we like, had MySpace. Yeah, like, we live in a world where if you have an opinion, you can express it regardless of if there's no ears to hear it. Right? On multiple channels, yes. and it will go out globally. Yeah, and like someone will hear it, and somehow it could turn into thousands of millions. So I think for us in school, it was just very like isolated. Um, we went to a very small school, very diverse school. So I just think that because of social, we didn't have like Instagram, so we couldn't like. What were we gonna do? Are like, we gonna yeah. march on prep? Like, <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> like, I think that's like, it. Well, I think part of it too, though, is like. The difference maybe is that, like you said, we did have kind of more of a voice there because we were kind of a little bit more nurtured. Mm. And so maybe we didn't feel the need to do that over things because we could just go to talk to somebody and discuss a problem Mm. and fix it. Or, you know what I mean? And when when you're paying for school or you're on a scholarship, whatever it is, but when you're in a private school... They take into consideration what you say and what your parents say a whole lot more than at a public institution yeah, because it's too. money at the end of the day. Yeah, parent involvement is very much different in private schools. Yeah, than public. And so, I think like we I did. Believe. I don't know. We did to a certain extent have like 
the MySpace and Facebook was kind of getting going, but like when it originally started, you needed a college email, right? <laughs> Wasn't yeah, that yeah, it? Yeah, like, you had to be in college. Yeah, so I don't think any of us were like until we were seniors and got into college. I don't think any of us really had a Facebook like that that I can remember. I don't think we had Facebook until yeah, MySpace. We had MySpace. MySpace. So, we did start having Facebook in high school. It was the early stages of but it. But it wasn't And like... you had to have... I think it was still around when you had to have a college email address. Yeah, but you had to be in college and have Facebook. I right. think a lot of people... It was great because in, in our high school, we all at some point, I believe, had an email address. Mm-hmm. So we were able to get around that. Yeah. With like a friend's with, email? No, with our high school address because high schools oh, at the time yeah. didn't give out email addresses to students yeah. but ours did yeah. so you could log on with that and one of our classmates he who will not be named figured it out <laughs> i'm sure i can deduct who that is, or deduce who that is actually <laughs> probably at some point but yeah. leading into oh, okay. no i was gonna say we could wrap up current events real quick just because this one hits close to home for Nick and I as basketball players, Kobe Bryant won an Oscar. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yes, yeah. Kobe. Uh, what was it again? Um, what was the name of his uh, short film? Deer. Was Deer, it basketball? Deer basketball. Deer basketball. Deer basketball. Yeah. That was dope. Good for him. I love Kobe. You know I love Kobe. It was. I <laughs> thought it was amazing, and I thought the speech was even better of him. Saying, I don't, did you hear the speech, Nick? Yeah, I didn't hear it. He pretty much made a comment along the lines of, "I know we're supposed to shut up and dribble, yeah. but no, yeah, absolutely." But I, I think if anybody is the person to not just shut up and dribble, it's Kobe Bryant because I don't, I don't know like a more well-spoken like NBA player. Like he just presents himself in such a way that's like absolutely. out of the norm. Yeah. I think there are a few, but I definitely think he's one of the ones that is a role model and all because it does show he is human. He does have flaws. He was in the media for for crazy. Remember, negative negative issues. But that was when that was number eight Kobe, not retired number twenty four Kobe with a little chub on his gut. Yes, mama thick. Love it. We all all have personal growth. That's and I think that's exactly it. And so many people really forget that and. I really feel that in today's society, older generations want to crucify younger generations yeah. for slip-ups when it's they take it out of, not that it's taken out of context, but it is just that. And I hate to use the excuse, and again, not with any of the hashtag me too situations that were very serious, but maybe on the other scale of things where we have seen situations blown out of proportion or again like Kobe accused and completely something that never transpired at the Mm -hmm. end of the day that it's it's just blown out of proportion done for attention or somebody's just offended by something where it's like hey have some thick skin yeah Uh, I mean what do you think about that because we uh we talk about this often the uh, fact that like so lately in the media like I don't know a single actor at this point that hasn't been accused of some sort of sexual harassment. Yeah. And the stories people tell is like, oh, he grabbed my butt. Like, if I file the sexual harassment suit on every dude that ever tried to grab my butt... Well, I think it's it's more about... And 30 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's about cultivating a culture and cultivating the fact that that's not okay. That, right, like, that there are men out there that think there's absolutely nothing wrong at approaching a woman... And grabbing your butt. And if you were to flip out on that guy, he'd be like, what's wrong with you? 
And like, I would just break his hand and he won't do it again. <laughs> but right, like he will, he will curse you out, call you crazy names, and act as, act as if like you are wrong from getting upset from him violating you. So I think it's more about just like, I think it's really about the next generation. I think it was missed out on that whole Me Too thing. And I do get it. I do think that there are some stories that are blown out of proportion. There are some people who are just flat out probably lying and they just want to get a check or they just want to get that fame. But the concept is that like men don't realize the power they have over women. That nine out of ten times, I'm not scared of a woman. Like I'm not scared of girls gonna hit me. I'm not scared of a girl gonna beat me up. While a woman, there's plenty of times where a woman is scared to be around a man. So if you're putting a girl in a situation where it's either you do this or here's the other option. I don't know, you haven't been around some of my crazy friends. <laughs> you might I be a little more scared. That is true, and I think everybody is cut from a different cloth. They're raised differently, yeah. so those expectations are very different. What I what upsets me about the entire situation is how the people in power, especially like look at the Larry Nancer situation, how did the people in charge sweep that under the rug for as long as they did? Well, because they're rich. I guess that's the whole point. <laughs> they got I, money. I get it, but it just yeah. seems nobody has learned their lesson at this point of just deal with it. Come out however long ago this was when he was at, I believe, at Michigan State, mm-hmm. and we don't have this problem today. It gets nipped in the butt. And even like he does not need to be saved, he does not deserve to be saved as a person. But oh, I'd like to know at the first reports when this was stopped. But I feel like that happens. Like, I mean, it happens so. Yeah, often it happened, with happened, everything. Well, I, I won't say he doesn't deserve to be saved. Um, people, like we're all humans. Um, we make mistakes. There has to be some type of space for grace and redemption. But I just feel that. Well, a hundred seventy-four year life sentence to maybe a twenty-five <laughs> yeah, year life sentence. Yeah, I mean, with a chance of parole. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I, sure. I don't know. You can tell me what was the exact. I'm not like up to date on the situation. So, what was it completely? I know like the essence of it, but he, in a nutshell, he was accused of multiple counts of sexual assault while at Michigan State and while the team doctor for the USA gymnastics team. Yeah, I believe I could again. Somebody please correct me if I'm wrong. And in court, when all said and was done, he received 174 years in prison. This man has to die four times and will still be in jail. Well, when I mean like save, like obviously if you did that stuff. That's your penance. Yeah, that's your penance. I'm talking about in the sense of just like him as a human being that I'm sure there is chance for him to learn from his mistakes and not be stuck in that place ever again. That's why I would like to believe that he won't always be known as that person. Well, it seems like there was probably some mental illness or yeah. I don't want to blame it on that. That may have been his disposition at the time, albeit an evil one. Yeah. But after That's the first mental, though. Again, after the yeah. first reports of it come out, you put a stop to him to your point, you do save him and potentially give him the option for rehabilitation yeah, what if I mean, that yeah. is possible. Well, but that's also, possible. you stop all of these young women from being suffering and being in danger and mm. going through life like this mm. right. and, and having to live with that. Well, that's... So, I mean, listen. There are people who do horrendous acts in mm. this world for whatever reason. Like, you know, there's constant research and invest, like, into why people kill other people why people rape other people you know what that criminal mentality is like there's 
you know, nobody knows for sure. Like, it's definitely how your brain's functioning. There's no way around that. It's something to do with the way you think. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, you wouldn't... Not to compare it equally, because it's not even close to the same thing, but to put it in, like, certain perspective. If somebody's a schizophrenic, you're not going to blame that person for hearing voices. But if somebody is, like, mentally not right, that they think it's okay to kill somebody, like, but you know about it, and you know they're doing these things, and you don't do anything to stop it or to help that person or to fix the situation, like, you're more to blame. Yeah. Than the person committing those acts because you could have protected those girls. You could have put an end to it and you chose not to. Why? Because he's helping you win? Because it's money? Because it's whatever reason? Like there's no good reason to know about that and not intervene. And so again, these are these are all multiple issues tying together that have led to what's really becoming known as the protest generation or the decade of protest where we've seen multiple movements in hashtag me too the new one i don't know what the hashtag is for the florida one uh national walkout day i guess was used today black lives matter mm. Ev- you name it everything is coming to a head mm. and it's at that point and great transition into what you're currently doing and helping really the community with is bringing faith in mm. what a where do people's I guess, morals lie and just what are they really about what drives them what gives them purpose outside of a paycheck and going to work in a dollar and something that they see on social media that makes them angry like what do you feel what do you see the like climate is like what do you see being like the moral dilemmas that people especially our age are facing in terms of all this and in terms of like trying to be successful in the world but still have like a moral compass and still so what's your question? So you're asking. So in general, you know what? We'll start from the beginning. You How did you go from art teacher <laughs> to community religious leader? And Nick is a great artist, by the way. We have one of his paintings hanging up <laughs> in oh, our apartment. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Love um, it. Motivation every day. So I guess, uh, I mean, I grew up in the church. I grew up as a young kid and going to church. So my faith is always important to me. I would say through high school, still very important to me. Got to college, eh. <laughs> um, still important to me, but I wouldn't say I was walking in it the way I guess I should have been. But that's all part of the journey. And when after, even after college, for a couple of years, I really was just doing my own thing. Um, I had my own perceptions of who God was and what He meant to me, and I just like rocked down to my own thing. And then finally came to a point where I really started getting back into it. And I feel like I missed the point. Like, I feel like I was missing the point of what it meant to be a Christian. So me and my friend, we really wanted to share that, I guess, that epiphany, that joy, that love that I was feeling in my own life, how I was seeing change within myself. And that was with my personal relationship with Jesus. So honestly, I just want to share it with my friends. That was just really it. You know, like, I grew up with friends that, you no know, went to church, you no know, Catholic or Protestant, whatever. But, like, they just view church as just a building, where I believe church is the people. So when you have that concept of what church is, it's not really just about going to church on Sunday. And it's not really just about like going to heaven, right? Like it's much deeper than that. Like we're on this earth for a purpose. So I feel like when you realize why God made you and who he is to you, like everything changes in like your perspective. So like you no longer view burden. You never, you know, you no longer see strangers as strangers. You see them as like brothers and sisters. You no longer see 
mistakes or you no longer see burdens as these horrible things, oh, it's my fault. You now see them as like stepping stones to get to where you need to be. You know what I'm saying? So everything is like twisted when you realize that God has called you to be like a, this awesome, amazing person, right? Like, does that make sense? So like, that's what I was feeling in my life. So I was like, why wouldn't you want to share with your friends, right? We share, like, le- not saying less things, but we share a lot of things with our friends, right? We share, like, clothing. We share movies. Like, watch this movie, dude. It's awesome. It's the best, like, like Black Panther. Like, go see Black Panther, right? <laughs> share Facebook status. Yeah, right? Retweet, Instagram right. posts. Yeah. Anything you see really gets shared. It's the digital age. I can yeah. share whatever is on my mind. Yeah, absolutely. So At any time. I- absolutely. I have um, an interesting question because, as I told you, I was talking to my one friend today, letting her know, like, you were coming on about this, and she was, like, saying, like, you guys got to come to church with me, like, because her church is not not so traditional. It's, like, all walks of life. It's this big thing, but, like, it's very... I told her, like, we haven't been to church in a while because the last time I went to church and it was, like, really inspiring was when the priest that used to be at my high school mm. would give mass and he was, it was great. Like I loved going yeah. and I haven't been able to find that anywhere. It's a lot of like the Catholic guilt and yeah. everything's wrong with the world yeah, exactly. and blah, blah, blah. And like, she was like saying, it's not like that. And we were just having this whole discussion about people our age and like, especially Especially coming from, like, my parents were are Catholic. My mother was raised very, like, traditional Irish Catholic. Like, yeah. strict. Like, my aunts, they they think they think about, thought about somebody and they're going to hell. Like, yeah. they're like that. There's that concept. Yeah. Right. And, and I think, like, us trying to sort of navigate, like, our place and our thoughts and feelings about faith. And, like, how do you... How do you express that to, like, somebody coming in to, like, live that kind of, you know, is brought in by a friend or something and has maybe, like, been raised in this very, like, traditional sense? That's a really good question. We just uh, had a conference. Lith, we hosted a conference called For the Culture over the weekend. It was popping. Um, It was really good. But we had this, this was the essence of the conversation about the culture and how there is this culture within our faith where we put walls up or we like shun people out based on how they look or what they've done, which is like the exact opposite <laughs> of like what Jesus talked about, right? Like he completely talked about it in a different way than how us, like as people, we do sometimes. And the way I said it at the um, conference was that, yes, like we are broken people. We are flawed. We make mistakes. The earth has some really ugly things. But I don't want to hear that all day about how much I suck. Like I don't want to hear every... <laughs> I already know. Man, like, thank you. Um, it's a reminder of who we're meant to be. And like when God made us, like it's just an awesome story in Genesis about how God made us. And it's like this very intimate story about we're made in his image. Like we're made in the image of God. And like what does that mean? And if it's if it means the way we think it means, that means our purpose is so much greater than we think it is. Right? Like no matter how far we go on our on our own strength, without God we'll never ever reach there. So I try to explain to people that it really is about relationship. It really isn't about, per se, about tradition or this and that. It's really about your own personal relationship and recognizing that God wants the best for you and that he's always with you, right? So, like, if God's always with you, like, you technically can never lose, right? Like, you can never fall. You, never, you can't lose. So, I just try to explain. Unless you're meant to lose. 
Well, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever meant to lose. I think as human beings... I think, have, I think it is. If I play Michael Jordan one-on-one, I'm going to lose. And I, that has nothing to do with it. But or, that's not I'm anything... Not about, I'm about, I don't <laughs> think God's interfering with my one-on-one game, though. I'm talking about, I'm talking about life. So I'm talking about losing <laughs> in life. I'm not talking about... Yes, if I play Michael Jordan right now, I could pray to God as many times as I want. Michael Jordan is, is going to score 55 points on me. But I, just, I guess what I try to explain to people is that it really isn't about, like, tradition. It really isn't about, like... This is the way we've been doing it for hundreds of years, so it has to be this way. Um, in the Bible, that's man-made. Yeah, that's man-made. While Jesus, like, he fought tradition. Like, he came in and was just like, the way y'all been doing it has been so off. Like, let me show you a new way to be human. So, and that's what I try to tell people. That for, is, and for anybody that isn't of the Catholic or Christian religion, like, the whole thought process and, like, idea behind it is that God created us, everything was going on, and then he was like, you guys are not seeing this clearly, so I'm gonna send my flesh and blood down and try to fix this. Yeah, definitely, and every, I feel like every major religion has their own version of that story, whether it's a prophet or... They, I mean, they may very agree with it well, or not. So many it's... religions. So the Muslim religion, because some of my best friends are Muslim and we talk about this all the time, like the Muslim religion, the Jewish religion, like they're all tied together. Like Jesus is a prophet. Don't let Mo- a Catholic church hear you say that. What? Well, well, then again, that's, that's the other part of it is, you know, I back was, to putting up walls. Well, right. I was raised Catholic in a Catholic church, but we all well know anybody that knows any sort of history knows the Catholic church is man-made and therefore is extremely flawed. I mean, every church, I mean, every church is flawed. Cause as <laughs> well, I right. said, like the church is people. And I think how I view Christianity and you read the Bible, like to me, it's not a Christian book. It's a human book. Right, like there's technically no Christians in the Bible. They're all like Israelites, Jews, right. like Babylonians, Persians, like all different races of people, right? Like and like without the story in the Bible, it's about humanity and how humanity just keeps doing the same thing over and over again. Right? Like mm-hmm. they keep oppressing people, they keep building walls, they keep killing people, conquering people. And that's kind of the point of Jesus, like uh, you said, where like Jesus shows us a new way to be human and how to stay that way. Where, like, there's these cycles that keep happening, right? Like That still keep happening. They, that still keep happening today, right? And, like, you read the story in the Bible, and you compare it to now, it's like, oh, like... The besides, same thing, different day. Yeah, the same thing, just different ADBs of you, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, so... Well, how do you guys get, I dare say, congregation or participants? What what do you call everybody that's oh, it comes participating in Lyft? Yeah. Oh, just family. Ain't no, family, okay. Yeah. Oh, so how do you... Nice. That like is, that. that's a really great that's sentiment. beautiful. So how do you gather this family and what really lures them in? Because I've seen since I went to Catholic school for eight years, mm. first through eighth grade, and there were always prayer groups, always very tiny, different youth ministries. It was my parents trying to drag me to youth ministry mandatory. I come up with every reason. I was an altar I server. I would go dribble a basketball <laughs> down the street in zero degree weather yeah. instead of going to youth ministry. It, mm. it was just that much better because I didn't want to be preached to. Yeah. And that's all I felt it was of me having not been a great person or having to be this yeah. Something I'm at, at that point not good enough to be, yeah. and that I have to live up to these standards. That's when that I already, Catholic guilt. It was. That it, was very, it was very like <laughs> it was. It, it was traditional Catholic guilt yeah. of if you do not do all of this, 
You're you will. You're, you're going to hell. You're screwed. And that's, that's the end of it. You might uh, as well just give up now. Even as I got older, I played in my church's rec leagues yeah. for sports. Yeah. Great time. Yeah. Nothing that went on there was Christian. Every <laughs> every yeah, set of <laughs> yeah, every set of games started out with a prayer. Yeah. But once you got on those other side of the field, that's it. Yeah. Especially football, end of the day. Flag football became tackle football. You wanted to win the championship. So we had that participation. But again, it's still for as many people within our demographic that could have participated. Mm -hmm. It was a fraction of that. Because people just see, I don't know what it is. Maybe you could answer that question. How do you lure people in? Well, let me throw this out before. Because I'm sure Nick's going to speak to this more in depthly. That... I think it's very much about the way it's presented to you and the way it's communicated. And, you know, it's like anything else. Like, you want to go somebody, somebody, you want to go somewhere that you feel welcome yeah. and supported. You don't want to go somewhere, like, you don't want to call a friend that's going to bash you. They're not, like, you want to call a friend that's going to be supportive. Yeah. And that's the same mentality. And that's why, like, when I say, I haven't found a church that I like since I was at mass with. I'm not going to say his name on here and like blow it up. Say his name. Say it. Father Gino, I love you. I do love you still. Um, I think he was like back at the Vatican now. But um, yeah, like it's one of those things where like once you, especially once you have that feeling of yeah. like a connection to that where you feel understood and you feel like, oh my God, they like get I have all these concerns. I have all these thoughts about this and like they're addressing them. Like they get it. You know, they're speaking to things that are, are legitimate for me to be able, like steps that I can actually take in my life that are realistic to be a better person instead of this overarching preaching of the world is fucked. You're a bad person. You should just be praying all day. And if you think about thought about somebody, you're going to hell because if, my godmother and my aunt are both going to hell, then I'm certainly beyond redemption. But yeah. Well, for for Lyft, I can't speak on other churches, but at Lyft, we try to make it relatable, try to make it fun, and, and we try to have like open discussions. So very much when you come to church, you're hearing someone speak, but you have no dialogue, right? There's no sense yeah. of, wait a minute, what did you, like, let me ask you a question. And even back in like Jesus' time, uh, when they opened the Torah, it was like a community thing because there's only like one Torah in the whole community. So when the rabbi would read it, like everyone was there. And he will ask the people like, how do you interpret it? And like very often in the Bible, Jesus asked people the same exact question. Like they were asking questions and he would be like, well, what does the law say? How do you interpret it? So allow people to give all these different types of uh, opinions and conversations. So we brought that same element to Lyft, where when I speak or someone else speaks, we have discussion questions where people could express how they feel, if they disagree, if they don't like what we said, ask questions. And I feel like that makes it much more like open and comfortable because you're not like, it's not like an agenda. I'm not trying to like, convince you of anything. I'm just sharing this with you and you could give me your opinion as well and we could agree to me at the middle. So I feel like that helps a lot where people could express themselves. And also just the social aspect of it. Like we go rock climbing, we go on hikes, we do volleyball tournaments, we do CrossFit. Like we do like real human being stuff. Like just because I believe in Jesus doesn't mean I don't like sneakers or rap music or I don't go to the mall. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I do fun stuff as well. So I think it just shows people that just because I 
claim to be a Christian does not mean I'm not human. Definitely. Yeah. And that's really a great point. Now, how far down the rabbit hole do these discussions go? It depends. So it really depends on the the topic. So I will admit that I'm not trying to have like a three hour debate because that doesn't that does not that's not healthy and doesn't really lead to anything. So we do have like a time cap and we do control the conversation with our questions. So it depends like so like one time we might ask like about change. Like how do you handle change? Right? Like how do you like do you like change in your life? That is a loaded question. I don't like complacency and I don't like being stagnant, but I think abrupt or unexpected changes are definitely for I would think most people are stressful, but I try to deal with them as best as possible. Probably could deal with them better, but yeah. yeah. So, so that's how we will like open things up. We'll ask like a question like that, like a very practical life question. And then we'll talk about it and everyone will give their opinion. And then we'll say, okay, awesome. That's how you guys view change or handle it. What does the Bible say about it? So then we'll go in the Bible and read scriptures or verses or stories that deal with change. And we say what we feel like God has to say about it. And then we talk about that. So here is my opinion. Here is the Bible and God's opinion. Now let's get together and see if our opinion has changed or hasn't changed based on what we learned. So that's how we like. I really like that. That definitely is great. And so seeing as you have structure, you do all of this to bring people in and keep them involved and Mm. give them a sense of faith. And hopefully they're taking away more from your events and your discussions, then this is a great two hours with people I want to see, or I went to this just for the rock climbing. Have you started running this like a business? How did it initially come to, and you guys are big on social media and it's a professionally run account. (laughs) You have, have, this is your second annual conference you've held this year and you do major events throughout the year. So how many people do you run it with? What's the organizational structure like? Um, so uh, we have a team. Shout out to the Lyft team. I can't take credit for half of the stuff. Um, I have people that do. Sure you can. Go ahead. <laughs> nah. um, I have people that make designs uh, for the social media, the t-shirts. Um, people who help with the events, coordinate. Like um, My sister helps a lot. My girlfriend helps a lot. Uh, a bunch of other people. I don't know if I should say their names or not. But a bunch of people that um, that definitely do help out. So it's definitely not just me. When it comes to running like a business, I mean, obviously in any type of organization, you need to have business principles, right? Like you just can't be doing whatever you want. There needs to be some type of professionalism. So we keep those things. Um, when it comes to leadership, having a vision. But we try to, like the goal isn't to make money off of it, right? Like that's not the goal. I think I'd be a little backwards if my goal was to be like some rich <laughs> Uh, pastor, and tell that to all the CEOs of nonprofits. Yeah, exactly, right. Like that isn't my goal. I'm not sure how I could really make money off of telling people about Jesus. Like I'm not really sure how to do it per se. But we do have things in place. Like I definitely have a vision of where I want it to be. I would love for it to be like an official nonprofit one day and have those things lined up. I definitely want to do like community service. I like, could help you out a little bit with that. Then, uh, community service, like international trips. I definitely want it to be like a. I definitely do want to have that, like a legacy, something that is built and like official and professional. But I'm not in a rush to get there yet because that's a lot. So and where do you get funding for everything that you guys do? I mean, honestly, is my money is our money? Not my money, our money. Um, my, it's my, all donated, or do you guys just put all the money up yourself? Some um, we do have some people that 
I guess sponsor that give us money. Um, my mom's church is like our, I guess, once like our covering or like our, like they hold us accountable. So like we're not running around like a cult. So like, <laughs> right, so they like hold us accountable. So they help us financially in some way. But originally when we started, it was just our own money, like our own working money we took and put things together. Wow, so, and you guys felt so strongly about this. You wanted to put your own money up and not knocking anybody. And I'm not, I know a few of the co-founders, yeah. I will say, but I'm almost positive none of you guys are millionaires at this point. No, absolutely not. And I'm you're all you. young professionals yeah. that come from middle to upper middle class families. So, yeah. and you're struggling to make it in your own careers, but you felt so strongly about this to put your own money towards it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it comes to... For nothing in return other than bettering the community, I will add. That's yeah. the essence of a non-profit. That's yeah, that right? I mean, that's be. what it's supposed to be regardless. That's what so it should be. Regardless, again, that's, that is what it should be. But yeah. I think in today's day and age, that idea has been Tainted. corrupted <laughs> of where a pure idea of 100% non-profit for a cause mm-hmm. turned into 50% for the cause, 50% for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a. It's difficult because I get it, but at the same time, just for me doing this stuff, you need money to do this type right. of stuff, right? Like we did the conference, and it cost money to do it. You know what I'm saying? It was free, and every penny was worth it, but it cost money. And it costs your time yeah. away from what's making, like, from your job making money. So, yeah. like, if you're putting in all this time and effort, like... No, exactly. People do need yeah. to get paid eventually, like... Like, even not, like, someone's paying someone to do something. Like, no one is... People are rarely ever doing anything free. Even if you're a non-profit, you think someone's going to, like, just donate a bunch of food for, like, nothing? Like, sometimes it does happen, but people want to get paid for their services, so... Or free advertisement. Yeah, advertisement, whatever the case may be. So I get it. I mean, obviously, in a perfect world, I do think people who run nonprofits would have everything be free, give all the money away. But part of it is, like, they need the money to do stuff. So So if you got in on that note, especially going down the line of funding, people typically work with groups that they relate to. Mm -hmm. Have you received any pushback? Especially in today's day and age where religion is always such a hot button topic, do you have any pushback of, like you mentioned the word cult, yeah. where it's, oh, you're this, <laughs> you're this whacked out Christian youth group and you're corrupting yeah. the minds of the young wit, which is so crazy because people don't understand the concepts. And I feel like if, if people believed in a little bit more of really any, any religion, I don't care yeah. what it is, and even atheism, like those people have the most faith yeah. out of anybody because you have to not believe, make a full effort to not believe in faith. Yeah. So do you get a lot of pushback on that I mean, being a Christian organization? I mean, I won't say I get pushback. I just think kind of like what, when you see Christian or you see Bible, you see cross because of social media, because of the climate we're in, because of people who are in office, like there's a certain like stigma when it comes to Christianity. So people think that because I'm Christian, like, that we, that we hate certain groups of people, right? Like, that our doors are shut to certain people, that we're not about equality. So people just have, are, like, they stand back from it because they think we're going to preach a message that we're not going to preach, right? They just assume that I'm going to say some crazy, flagrant stuff that I have no desire to talk about <laughs> or uh, say. So we get pushed back in that sense, and I do think because of the way we talk about Christianity and we don't talk about it in like the uh, in the traditional sense that there are even in the Christian community like some churches who won't stand close to us 
because they think we're trying to preach like a, uh, I guess like a watered down version of Christianity. When in all reality, we're just trying to reach as many people as possible. So like, I can't talk to I can't talk to certain people a certain way if you didn't like per se grow up in the church, right? Like I can't talk to someone who's never been in church about sin or about like certain things. Like they look at me crazy. It's heavy. Yeah, like my like oh what is sin like. But are the doors open to other people? Would you take someone from all other religions? Yes. That's okay. So that's that's that point. Although you may come off sounding crazy as somebody who's not been exposed to the Christian religion, Mm. it you would make it relatable for them. Have you run into this before? I mean, we've had people come to our events that were, I guess, atheist or agnostic. I'm not sure, Um, Muslim, all that good stuff. People have come, and they've 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 always. And I guess what we try to do is lift this. That yes. Obviously, our message is always going to be about Jesus and God, but we also try to make it as practical as possible so that even if you don't believe any of that stuff, you can leave and say, oh, like, I received some type of personal growth. And that was one of the nicest things I heard back from feedback from the conference is where someone said, like, this type of event led to personal growth despite if you're religious or not, right? Like, you're talking about being a leader. You're talking about being a creative. You're talking about, like, having vision. Anyone can take that and apply it to their life in a practical way. So, yeah. That's great. What's uh, the age, really the demographic of those that left? I will say like from 20s, 30s. I will say probably like, yeah, like 20s, 30s, like 20 to 35. What typically draws people in outside of friends, social media, or maybe something that went on in their life, they were, they were missing something and Lyft has filled that void? Um, well, I don't think we fill anyone's void. That's only God could do that. <laughs> like, I, when I you can't. bring them, you're the yeah, you're the connector. I you're the middleman. Only Jesus could do that. Um, I just feel like, how do I say? I think people want that. I think people want community. I people. I believe that people want to believe in something that's greater than themselves. Right? Like they want to believe that. And I think they've had bad experiences per se. Right? Kind of what Kat said. Like they've on, they only know like traditional traditional this type of way of talking about God. So I think with Lyft, because of the way we present ourselves, it's just something that's different and is new in their eyes. So if they're looking for a church or they're looking for a community just to be among like-minded people, I think it just stands out that we're not doing it like the old school. No, that's a great answer. And I think you have to be new. And I think a few churches definitely are so heavily rooted in the old traditional way that they're on the they're not on the verge of getting left behind, but attendance is dropping rapidly. Yeah. And as you post in, we go to Catholic church. Yeah. So Roman Catholic, 99% of the time, very somber. Yeah. Of just old, white, Irish or Italian priest yeah. that is not uplifting in the slightest bit. We'll spend 25 <laughs> minutes talking about the most depressing stories he found in the news that week. But that's also like that that generation like we talk about my aunt like yeah. there's always this joke that you know the older the older aunts and stuff in my family I have two priests in my family like there's always these stories that are just so depressing just in the middle of dinner of like and then like the baby was dead like died at birth but they they carried it around the city so it would see the city and then it died in her arms which was nice like, that's the way the story is told. And, like, that's the joke is, like, oh, which was nice. Like, 
like it's always these depressing depressing things of like that's how we tell you to to cherish life like that's why yeah. we're telling you that story but like we're gonna make you feel like the shittiest person in the world but while I, we're doing it i think there is that clear definition and you guys are really filling the void there with lift for the younger generation of old school roman catholic churches for the most part Catholic, yeah, Catholic, yeah. Catholic, no, yo, Roman Catholic Church is a dope, yo. Like, it's don't Catholic, be no, I'm not. And no, that's they have a lot of gold and a lot of like yeah, yeah, yeah. chapels are pretty. They are. <laughs> Their great cathedrals are wonderful. Mm. When you look at the history, flyest dress guys in the biz, bit shady, <laughs> but they do put on the, they do put the guilt on very heavy. Whereas the other side, you go to the Christian, a lot of Christian churches. Yeah. And everybody needs to be saved. Yeah. Everybody needs to be saved. We're saving people today. Come yeah. down. Yeah. We're saving everybody. Especially I went to college down south. Yeah. That's all anybody <laughs> talked about. Yeah. You need to go to church on Sunday to yeah. be saved. Donate your car. You'll be saved. Yeah. Wait a second. I need the car to get here. <laughs> yeah. So there's like this huge extreme, right? There's this huge extreme on, on every part, right? And I think um, I was watching an interview and a pastor was saying this, that there's just like these huge extremes in Christianity and all these religions, even like atheists were like, there's no way there's a God. There's no way you could prove it, right? Like there's just this huge extreme. And I feel like the Bible, in my opinion, Bible Christianity should be somewhere in the middle where not everything is black and white, right? There is this gray area, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having gray area. And I think as humans, we are so scared to have gray area because we're so scared not to have the answers, because we think that if we don't have the answers, that like we're making God look bad. And I don't know about this, but if God is who he says he is, he doesn't need a lawyer. <laughs> like, <laughs> he doesn't need a press agent. He doesn't need someone to like back him up and like defend him. Like God is God. So I think what happens in religion is that we're scared to simply say, I don't know. Like, I don't have the answer for this question. I don't know why things are the way they are. But we try to force these things and tell people how to do things. And I think that's what people is people are very like uncomfortable. I think that, and I think that's something great about what you're saying and the way you treat, you know, the Bible and the discussion and everything. Instead of just preaching at people, you mm. make it more of a discussion. And I think it's almost more. It reminds me of like our my Bible study classes, mm. and like we had to take Bible study, but I had a great teacher, Brother Robert Broro, with your milk in your. Cup. ridiculous robes that you would hide like he was just the coolest and he would always put things in a way that a, that a 16 year old could yeah. could comprehend and could digest and you know he kind of explained like everybody has all these questions like that's not realistic this is like you know a bunch of asshole teenagers yeah. like and he would say like these are stories meant to teach you yeah. a lesson yeah. Like, I didn't write this. You don't know who wrote this. You don't know what their artistic interpretation of it was. You don't know their thought process. You don't know what God was inspiring them to write. What it's meant to do is give you guidelines for how to live your life in the way that, like, God has wanted or the way that, like, Jesus has preached and kind of be able to use those stories as... Got, like to to kind of bring you back to be like hey like let me think of something differently or let me handle something a certain way well that's it the bible starts off with laying down laws 
And right off the bat, yeah, it's right off that way, Joe. No, <laughs> laying down low, right and no. Them wasn't it Charlton? <laughs> not again. Not the Ten Commandments. You guys went a bit far. I'm saying of Garden, Adam and Eve, creation, yeah. all of that. There, there were points throughout the Bible where rules were set down, yeah. and humans broke them, of course, in our typical rebellious fashion, yeah. which I think God would have expected and it seemed like he definitely did for the stories <laughs> but those were learning experiences yeah. and when you read them take it for whatever it's worth but you have to be able to peel out morals yeah, and mm-hmm. typical laws that every human can abide by absolutely very yeah. it always takes me back to the boondock saints <laughs> end of the movie where they storm the courtroom and they go through and say these are laws that everyone can abide by of pretty much like don't murder rape steal kill kidnap each other and we'll all be fine yeah but people always twist that to for their means and it's it is very refreshing and i was so happy when you first started the lift project because that is such a missing gap and it's not because i'm catholic christian and that's who you're associated with you could have done it for any religion or no religion at that point, I wouldn't care, but I do think... <laughs> no, so, I do think... Yeah. I do really think Barbie. that the Lift Project, <laughs> the Lift Project in itself, can be associated with just being good, wholesome individuals and learning how to get in touch with yourself spiritually and be a positive force in the community and... Just, better yourself. And just better yourself. Be a better you. Live your best life, as the popular phrase is today. And yeah. understand that that's an ongoing process. Absolutely. Like, completely. And I think it's the whole point of, like, when you have a, a relationship with Jesus, that when you stumble, he's there with you. When you're doing great, he's there with you, right? Like, he's a god of the valley and a god of the mountain. And then it's like, and then if you, like, really believe that, like, believe I feel like it's very encouraging that like Jesus is not going to leave you. Like, do you think like do you think God's surprised when you make a mistake? Like, Absolutely not. He like, knows. Oh he's my watching gosh! Me. He's Did watching you really me doing just that. like do that? I'm like, come on, right? So I think it's like encouraging to not to encourage people that who you used to be isn't important. It's about going back to who you were meant to be, and that's really yeah. That's and I think that's like a beautiful message, and I think being able to kind of not retrain people's thinking but you know if you haven't grown up kind of with a certain mentality to kind of teach people that that whole thought process of everything happens for a reason and what you put out comes back and like that's universal in every religion and every like culture and it's kind of that reap what you sow idea and it's like if you are trying your hardest and doing your best like you're gonna face trials you're going to like everybody at some point in their life is going to turn around and be like why is this happening to me what the heck like but everything does happen for a reason everything does and as long as you keep doing right and keep trying to better yourself things will eventually work out the way they're meant to for you definitely and i think that's a great transition to bring us to our last segment of struggler of the week. So Nick, you've listened <laughs> to the podcast before, you know what this is all about. Yes, sir. Who, who would you name a struggler of the week? Somebody that you've seen face adversity or just has had an impact on your life or the lift project. It's a bit cliche or corny, but I would say my girlfriend, right? Like I feel like my girlfriend 
with with doing lift um she has shown me how much um being a christian isn't about like how much you talk about being a christian it's about your action that that if you have to like, keep telling people that you're a christian <laughs> like <laughs> that's not the point of it so very much about like um taking that same passion that i have for god and for jesus and for lift and taking that same passion and energy and putting towards every aspect of my life right to like my schoolwork, well my teaching to my friends my family to even like my room, like making sure it's clean, like that's part of serving God as well. So I think I would, for me, I'll give my girlfriend struggler of the week. Well, that Yay, is definitely great. And shout out to the girlfriends. <laughs> hey, don't worry to all our listeners that can't see. She is not here holding a gun to his head. She's not. <laughs> say that. That was I'm from just, the heart. I'm just holding one to Marvin's. Just kidding. <laughs> bang bang. Oh, <laughs> always. So on that note, that brings this episode to a conclusion. Nick, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love it. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, of course, we go back a very long time, and I promise we will make it to a lift event eventually. Yeah, do that. You need to be there. <laughs> we definitely will. And we definitely will. follow us on Instagram, the <laughs> lift Project underscore. And we'll Excellent. post it on our Instagram. And this will well. definitely be posted. It's already posted. You can catch it in the episode preview. So once again, this is Hashtag Trouble Hard. Subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, everybody, and good night. Night. Good night.